Good afternoon. We are starting today, continuing on in our journey, our series through the Psalms. Psalm chapter 9 is the psalm that we're doing today. Uh, hopefully you guys have been, been blessed or have been enjoying um, this, this series as we go through uh, the psalms. We have uh, quite a ways to go. There's about 150 of them. Uh, but obviously we won't be going through every single psalm. We'll go, be going through a large portion of them, but um, we will be going through uh, the psalms for, for the time. So hopefully uh, you can, as you stay home and as you are maybe isolating or um, not working at the moment or whatever the case is, I just hope that you could um, be able to enjoy this and, and be encouraged through through the writings and the poetry of uh, the Psalms and David and, and some of the psalmists that write in this book. Uh, but today we are reading Psalm chapter 9. And Psalm chapter 9 takes place um, at some point in time in David's life. Uh, we're not too sure. Uh, a lot of the Psalms, we're not really sure of when they take place, but uh, there are estimates and guesses as to when they take place. Uh, some have guessed that this is after the defeat of Goliath. Um, but David talks about the city of Zion and uh, God's presence being there, which would have been uh, some time after the time of Goliath, when David would have established the city um, a couple of years later. But, um, but as we read this, uh, what, what is clear is that, um, one, David is currently, at the time of writing it, going through something difficult and uh, has enemies surrounding him, but he is reflecting and praising God for the things that he had done in the past. And so it's, it's possible and likely that, that David is in the first portion of the Psalms referring to his victory over Goliath and then kind of claiming that as hope for what he's asking God to do in the second half of our Psalm. So we'll be reading it today. Psalms 9 is... Uh, 20 verses, so, so we'll get started. And it says this, verse 1, I will praise you, O Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all of your wonders. So here um, David is starting off with, with this um, word of praise, of adoration. He says, everything that I have in me, all of my heart, all of my being, everything is going to praise the Lord. And uh, just, for, just for our knowledge, too, as we read the word heart in the Old Testament, um, they they believed that the heart as the center of of our being as of a center of of kind of our bodies. Uh, the heart was the thing that governed our emotions. The heart was the thing that governed our thoughts. The heart was the thing that governed what we did. Uh, so the ancient people used to believe that what our brain currently does is what the heart used to do, or at least they believed that that's what the heart did. That was the heart's function. So whenever they talk about uh, praising with their heart, uh, having the law on their hearts. They're talking about having the law written into everything they do, all of their emotions, all of their being, all of their actions and reactions and all that stuff. So David is saying, I will praise you, O Lord, with all of my heart. I will tell of all of your wonders, the things that God has done. He says, I will tell of you. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. My enemies turn back. They stumble and perish before you. For, they have, for you have upheld my right and my cause. You have sat on your throne judging righteously. You have rebu rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. Endless ruin has overtaken the enemy. You have uprooted their cities. Even the memory of them has perished. So David here is, is 
reflecting on this time where God has given him victory. And this this might have been likely uh, the time of Goliath. It's a, it's a possibility here where, where David is reflecting on the fact that he, through God's help, he was able to defeat Goliath. Through God's help, he was able to defeat the Philistines and kind of um, make them no longer a threat for Israel. And so he kind of rejoices and praises and recounts this story of God uh, causing his enemies to stumble, upholding his right righteous cause, and going before him to destroy the nations and uh, blot out their names. And so he continues in verse 7. Uh, he says, The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. He will judge the world in righteousness. He will govern the world or the peoples with justice. Verse 9, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Those who know your name will trust in you, for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. So verse 9, he says, uh, the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And the word that David uses for refuge is, is kind of carrying this idea of a high place, a, a large rock or a mountain or a hill or some sort of um, area or, or, or place that would have strategic value uh, that would allow them to defend themselves from their enemies. So uh, obviously they didn't have uh, kind of modern technology for war. And so these these high places would have been places that could have been easily defended because they would have surrounded or they would have seen the enemies coming up from from the whole um, area and they would have been able to defend themselves effectively. So um, David is saying this is what God is to us. God is a refuge. God is our high place where we can see all the enemies coming all around. We don't have to worry because we are easily defended uh, in this high place. So that's what that's what David says. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed. He's a stronghold in times of trouble. For those who know your name, remember this name is this idea of God's God's love, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. He says, those who know your name will trust in you, uh, will trust in you for you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. So David is saying those who have come to know who God is, those who have experienced his goodness, those who have experienced his love, learn to trust in God because God is a God who is continually faithful, who has never forsaken the ones that seek him. And so he says in verse 11, sing praises to the Lord enthroned in Sion, proclaim among the nations what he has done. And I was calling all people, anyone who's ever experienced this goodness of God, anyone who has ever experienced um, God's faithfulness is to cry out, to sing proclamations, to recount the wonders and the majesty and the miracles that God has done for them. And then verse 12, he says, for he who avenges blood remembers. He does not ignore the cry of the afflicted. Uh, so this this idea of the avenger of blood, uh, the psalm the psalmists will refer to it a couple of times, and it'll be referred to in the Bible multiple times, where God is is described as the avenger of blood, and it's this idea that uh, when someone killed someone else, uh, or when someone took the life of someone else, blood was required. And that's kind of where the system of sacrifice comes from, right? So if you're familiar with Leviticus and Deuteronomy and Numbers, this idea that you have to sacrifice a lamb for your sins, it's it's this idea that, that blood covers the mistakes and the guilts uh, of the people who have committed sins or committed wrongs or transgressions or iniquities or whatever you want to call it. And so this idea of the avenger of blood is really an idea of one who brings justice, one who uh, doesn't take revenge in in a uh, kind of evil or vindictive kind of way, but it's very specific language about one who calls or brings into justice those who have committed wrongs. And so David is saying this is who God is. He's the avenger of blood. He's the one who goes through the proper systems of court 
and brings to justice those who have done wrong. Uh, he, he brings them into uh, judgment. And so he says, he does not ignore the cry of the afflicted. And this is a big thing for Israel because you'll see as you read throughout the rest of the story that they're constantly afflicted, they're constantly enslaved or uh, they're, they're in exile from the different people. And so the, the Israelites constantly cry out for justice. They're calling for God to look upon their misery, look upon their plight, and to look at the people who have oppressed them, and then to deliver justice or judgment. And so that's why they're always calling for God to bring out this justice, this, um, this judgment on the people who have done them wrong because the Israelites are righteous. And so David says, he, this is the God who does that. He's a God who brings justice. But he does, not, he does not ignore the cry of the afflicted. You may feel like God is ignoring you. You may feel like justice isn't being done at the moment. But David assures us, he says, well, listen, be careful, because God does not ignore the cry of the afflicted. As much as we might feel like he does sometimes, as much as we might feel like he might not be listening or he might not be responding, David says, no, that's not who God is. God is a God who does not ignore our cries for, for mercy, our cries of the afflicted. And then he says in verse 13, Lord, see how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death, that I may declare your praises in the gates of the, of the daughter of Zion, and there rejoice in your salvation. So there's this idea that David is getting to, because gates are, are a very important place in Israelite and ancient culture. Gates were where covenants were formed. Gates were where important transactions were made. And so the gates of the daughter of Zion, the gates of Jerusalem, were these very important places. And they were sacred because people had to pass through these gates in order to reach the temple, in order to reach God's throne, in order to reach uh, God's dwelling place. And so gates were a very important place for the ancient people. And so David is saying this, lift me up from the gates of death. Because I'm about to enter into death. He says, take me out of there so that I may praise you in the gates of the daughter of Zion. He says, take me from one place to the next. And David is saying this, um, I can't praise you if I'm dead. And, and he'll say that throughout the Psalms. You'll read it multiple times. He's basically saying like the dead can't praise God. He says, let me praise you. Keep me alive. Keep me in good health that I may continue to, to worship the name of God. And then he continues verse 15. The nations have fallen into the pit they have dug. Their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. The Lord is known by his justice. The wicked are ensnared by the work of their hands. So David is, is switching back and forth. He's going from one, he starts off the psalm by praising God for the wonders he has done. He says, this is all the wonderful things that God has done for me. He has, he has rebuked my enemies. He has destroyed them. He has given me victory. And then he says this, I know God is a God of justice who does not ignore the cry of the afflicted. Verse 13, he says, but look, look at me now. He says, look at my current situation. See how my enemies have persecuted me. He says, save me that I may continue to praise you. And then he switches again. Now, now kind of proclaiming and worship for God, knowing the goodness of God. He says, because I know when God answers that the nations, my enemies, they fall into their own pits. They set up pits for me to fall into, but they fall into their own pits. They set up nets for to trap me, but they are trapped by their own by their own nets. Verse 16, the Lord is known by his justice. God's justice is that the wicked are ensnared by the work of their own hands. People who plan evil, people who plot to do wickedness, so they, they, that wickedness falls on their own head. And we know this oftentimes uh, that that the bad choices that we uh, try to make often come back to to affect us negatively. And that's kind of what we learned in the Bible is that sin is its own punishment. Sin punishes us 
uh, in the pursuit of sin, we are punished by sin itself. And so this is what David is saying. Those who pursue wickedness, those who pursue evil, those who pursue to do, to do harm are, are afflicted and are affected and are ensnared by their own wickedness, by their own uh, evil, by, their, by the work of their own hands. And so that's what he's saying about God. He says, this is the God who allows the wicked to fall into their own traps. And so he says, verse 17, the wicked return to the grave, all the nations that forget God, but the needy will not always be forgotten. We may be for a time, it may feel like we are forgotten, David is saying, but the needy will not always be forgotten, nor the hope of the afflicted ever perish. So verse 19, he says, arise, O Lord, let not man triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Strike them with terror, O Lord. Let the nations know they are but men. And this kind of ends our psalm. And it's just so interesting how we see this movement of David through the psalm, how he starts by praising and he switches back and forth between praising God for what he's done and asking God to step in now because he's going through something similar. He's going through things that, that God has delivered from him from in the past. And so this is kind of what, what we can learn from this psalm and what we can learn from David's life is having this balance of we may feel afflicted, we may feel ignored, we may feel uh, downtrodden, we may feel uh, anxious and worried and, and afraid of, of what we're currently going through. But we have to learn to switch back and forth between realizing the goodness of God, realizing what God has done in the past, knowing that, that that's who God is, knowing that God is a God of goodness and love and mercy and forgiveness, and then we'll continue to translate that into our present. So not, not only has God worked in the past, David is saying, um, he, he worships God for working in the past, but he says, I know that this is a God who continues to work. I know that this is a God who will continue to work. And no matter what I'm going through, David says, I will praise God for what he's done, knowing he will do it again. And this is, this is the really important part is that David is, is recognizing, he says, I have enemies right now. They're persecuting me. I feel, I feel like I'm forgotten. But he says, I know that with God, the needy will not always be forgotten. I know that with God, verse 18, the hope of the afflicted won't perish. And so this is the hope that we can cling on to is that no matter how dark that the times may get, no matter how many times we feel like we're surrounded by the enemies, no matter how many times we feel like, um, like things are just chaotic around us, we know and trust that God will not forget us, that the hope of the afflicted won't perish, that the way that God has worked in the past, God will continue to work now in the present and will continue working into the future. So that's the hope that we have is that we see God working in our lives before Psalms chapter nine. That's what David says. And we can cry out to God for our present sufferings, knowing that the way that God has worked in the past, God will continue to work in the future. And so that's kind of the, the lesson that I hope that we can take and that we might be encouraged is that as we go through our difficult times now, um, take a moment to stop and reflect and praise God for the things that he's done in the past, knowing that God is a good God, that God does not ignore the cry of the afflicted, that God will not forget um, those who are needy, that, that hope of the afflicted will not perish. So as we go through our day, as we go through our life, as we go through our week and, and maybe the rest of the month and however long uh, we're going through this difficult time, uh, take some time to reflect and think about how God has been good to you and, and lift, up, lift up your cries. Don't be afraid to, to um, argue with God. Don't be afraid to, to uh, really express your feelings and your emotions and your frustrations with God because God wants to listen to them. God wants to be able to answer you. God wants to um, converse with you no matter how frustrated or, or annoyed or angry or sad you are feeling. God wants to have a conversation with you. 
And so what we learn through the Psalms and we'll continue learning through the Psalms is that we can balance this idea of bringing our current sufferings to God, praising God for what he's done in the past, and then praising God for what we know he will continue to do into the future. So that's hopefully the lesson that we'll take from Psalm chapter 9 is that idea, is that God has been faithful in the past, and we can, can, we can know with confidence that God will continue to be faithful in the future, that God will never forget the needy, and that God will not let the hope of the afflicted perish. So let's just pray and, and let's close this um, Psalm chapter 9. God, we are thankful for the amazing things that you have done. We want to praise your name for all the, the wonders you have performed in our lives. We want to praise your name for the miracles that you have done. And we praise your name for all the victories that you have given us in the past. And God, I know it can be difficult when we are surrounded by enemies. It can be difficult when we're surrounded by worry and anxiety and fear. But God, I just pray that we would take a moment to reflect on the goodness of God in our lives in the past and to know with confidence that you will continue to be good, that you will continue to bless us, that you will never leave us forsaken, that you will never forget us, and that you will never let our hope perish. So God, we, we cling to these promises that you are continually good and that you will continue to be good into the future. So we thank you so much for who you are. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So hopefully we'll see you again tomorrow. We'll be doing Psalm chapter 11. Uh, so join us tomorrow at 12 p.m. as we do Psalm chapter 11. Again, just want to remind you, if you are... Um, in need of something, please feel free to reach out. We want to be able to connect with you as best as we can. Uh, leave your prayer requests in, in the comments below, and we'll be sure to be praying for you and praying for your family as well. And so we just hope you have a safe rest of your day and a safe rest of your weekend and the rest of your week. And we just want to thank you for joining us during this short time. But tomorrow again, 12 p.m., I will be starting with Psalm chapter 11. So hopefully see you again tomorrow.